podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Phases of dissent, selling the East Anglian derby to a Brazilian audience. Someone somehow has found a new alternative word for goalkeeper. The FA's official definition of a reasonable bystander. Turkish psychedelic folk. Soviet rearguard actions of 1943 described in unnecessarily football ways. Mundane life experiences that resemble draws that feel like wins. Contaminating US corporate culture with humdrum English football terminology. And Andy Gray plays with his keys. Brought to your ears by Goal Hanger Podcasts. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and on the adjudication panel today, of course, is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, thank you. And David Walker, how are things? Yeah, very good. Big news last week, after we announced the Football Clichés live tour, was the addition of a new date. The tour will open, Dave, at Oran Moor in Glasgow. Is this a climb down from us or is it a U-turn? I mean, we didn't actually have a position in the first place, so nothing to climb down from. Yeah, we've listened to our fans, though. We have listened. <laughs> we have listened to our to some, some some of the feedback that was, you know, why aren't you coming to Scotland? We debated it beforehand, and then we thought, actually, you know what? Let's do it. Enjoyed the immortal words from the uh, promoter Charlie, which is, you can't just arrange a new date based on seven tweets from people. We're like, well, it's a good sample size. We can, and we have, and they're turning up already. I did say, semi-jokingly, we'll do Glasgow, but only on the condition that on the poster it says due to unprecedented demand, which is one of those ridiculous claims. And there it is. So delighted. Yeah, the first time we've ever done a show there. So that is technically true. Uh, (laughs) Unprecedented demand. But yes, tickets are going quite quickly, actually, for all these dates. Um, Go to myticket.co.uk and join in the fun and it will be fun. It's going to be absolutely brilliant. The long list of ideas for the show is just looking superb. Can't wait. Can't wait to get stuck into it. Let's... Adjudication panel. I want to go to the only talking point at Anfield on Sunday evening, Charlie, which was the um, which is the red card for Diogo Dallo uh, for two yellows in quick succession for dissent. Referee Michael Oliver enforcing the clampdown, Charlie, or is it a crackdown? Can't remember which. Now there was some justifiable angst about this red card, saying that there was the two acts of dissent were too close together. Like some arguing that it was essentially the same act of dissent. And it was a little bit too pernickety. Where do you stand on this on a technical basis? I think it's uh, it's definitely borderline. It feels a little bit harsh to give two. We did also identify Michael Oliver as being the leading candidate to do one of these sort of unprecedented double booking things that's never been done before. He did that one on Martinelli, two bookings while an advantage was being played. So it's very much in his wheelhouse. I'm happy with it to a certain extent, Dave, because uh, the yellow went back in his pocket. He didn't have to do a sort of silly, sort of double, awkward double yellow showing. I, you know, what I'm basically saying is it was two phases of dissent. I was watching this in a pub, and <laughs> but they didn't have the they didn't have the sound on. We didn't know what was going on. Nobody's nobody's telling us in a the pub. There's no screens in the pub telling the pub goers what's going on. They're being shortchanged. So I didn't actually realise it was for two. I thought you'd been booked earlier in the game, and it was ye- a yellow for that whole situation. Well. Given how boring the game was, this became a novel talking point 
in the Sky Sports studio because I don't think they'd ever had any opportunity or the, the reason to discuss something like this before. Neville really couldn't get his head around the fact that there might have been two elements of dissent. Let's hear it. So that first one, yeah, you're going to get a booking for that now. There's a booking there. Uh, I think Mike, Michael Oliver could have... I mean, I've never seen this before, whereby this There's the happened. first booking, and yeah. then he reacts to the yellow. Uh, yeah, but it all feels like it's the same thing to me. I think Michael Oliver maybe has sort of created something there that he didn't really need to. I don't... I mean, look, I'm not against the but first we booking. Know, we do know there is a clampdown on dissent yeah, from no, referees first, this season. But I think the first booking is absolutely warranted for the reaction. It's an aggressive reaction. He deserves to be booked. But then to go for the second yellow, I mean, it looked like that second motion of Dallow was at the same time as the yellow card was being put up. So, look, he's been sent off. I've never seen it before, but... Is what it is. Do you know what this reminds me? This feels like the end point. You know those sort of parody Carragher things and of him going like, there. This feels like one where they would laugh about. You know, we're probably going to get to the point where Carragher's like freeze-framing a yellow card and picking out a descent and saying, there. And that's essentially what's happening here. The idea, Dave, that we could pinpoint the moment that the two things overlap and therefore the second yellow card wouldn't be valid really is sensational speculation it didn't really feel like Neville's heart was in it there I no, think he could, it just didn't I think matter he could, did it yeah like, it he didn't feel himself yeah. going oh really does it does it matter I mean it's, it's quite ref watch on a Monday morning on Sky Sports News isn't it this oh they'll definitely do this yeah but like that's where you this debate is happening <laughs> kind of every week and for it to sort of seep into the mainstream is quite telling over to um Friday night Tottenham versus Forest. Uh, Charlie, this was a Friday night game that snuck up on me, by the way. It's a great feeling when you don't know there's a Friday night game and the promo just hasn't done its job. It hasn't seeped into your brain and you're like, oh, oh, cool. And I realised it's about 6.15. I thought, oh, this is great. This is absolutely fine. So I was delighted. I don't know how you felt about it, but... Um, it would be a bit of a problem if Charlie found out that there was a Spurs game 45 minutes before it kicked off. Shit, I need to get to Nottingham. Were you working this one, Charlie? I actually didn't cover this yeah. game, so it would have been fine. Ah, there you go. There you go. Excellent news. Uh, listener Jeff was watching this game on um, Australian channel Optus Sport. And two minutes after co-commentator David Prutton had called Mickey van der Ven and James Madison Rolls Royces, commentator John Champion returned to the topic. In your last comment, one thing I've been itching to ask you, you described Madison as a Rolls Royce of a footballer. You know what's coming. <laughs> From your 62 Premier League appearances... <laughs> Pickup truck? That's the cleanest thing I can say. <laughs> Potentially about a vehicle in disrepair. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> nine. 10, Davis. 11. Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> a very modest silence in the grand scheme of these things, Charlie, but um, I don't want to focus on that too much. Um, really good self-deprecation from a co-commentator there. Too harsh on himself, if anything. As they tend to be. Yeah, often ex-footballers, you know, describe themselves as like barely being able to play football. A couple of things, though. One shows how kind of warped my brain is by doing this podcast. When Champion says, you know what's coming, my brain went to, he's going to ask him, how would you define a Rolls Royce? Uh, you know, what, 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 what do you mean by that? Which, yes. of course, that's what we would do. That's not what everyone does. I was just going to say on Madison, he's a, probably up there with the Premier League players I can most imagine actually driving a Rolls Royce. I can imagine him having... A, re- a sort of personalised pimped out Rolls Royce arriving in training being like all the lads have given me a lot of stick for this but you know I love it Stephen Island-esque yeah not a million miles away he's not a Rolls Royce himself though Dave is he James Madison we're not having that are we Van der Ven is fine or he's on the way to becoming one but Madison is not a Rolls Royce I don't think it would be your go-to 
analogy for Madison. No. I think with, with Prutton, though, he's picked pickup truck there, which I think is an interesting example, actually, because it does imply an element of usefulness. You know, because he could have gone he could have gone full slapstick and gone, oh, I'm a cla- clapped out old Ford Fiesta or something. But it's, yeah, it's quite good, actually, for a defensive midfield, for a workhorse. He's watched too many um, uh, of the Cars sequels, and that's why he's gone for the rusty pickup truck. Shame. But um, let's stick with Forrest versus Spurs. This came from Will Wardrop, who was watching the Brazilian TV coverage of Forrest versus Spurs, which took a moment to look ahead to the rest of their weekend's live action from English football. There is a classic spectacular in the second division, that has many years that is not realized. Ipswich and Norwich, the two condados that have a rivalry of those depois de muito tempo, vai ter esse grande clássico. East Anglia. Repita. East Anglia. Now, the point of this clip, Dave, is not to uh, pick apart foreigners' pronunciation of random English places. It's just to, to enjoy the fact that they cared about it at all. They called it a spectacular classico. Ipswich versus Norwich. <laughs> and then <laughs> just the fascination for the idea of East Anglia. Amazing. I, I love the fact that it that it's travelled that far and, and has garnered that fascination. When he repeated East Anglia at the end there and the way that he did, it, it sort of gives you the feeling that this has been a piece of paper just passed to him or something <laughs> and he's never never read it before. He's, is that right? East Anglia? I don't know. It's what it says here. It sounds made up. Again, Charlie, this is just another chapter in my ongoing fascination with how much of English football foreign broadcasters show. You'll see viral clips from a Carabao Cup game. You'll see viral clips from a championship game. And it'll have random commentary over the top of it from all sorts of languages. Why are they showing this? Why is there French commentary on like a Middle East TV station for a random championship game, for example? How much of an appetite is there for this stuff? It's it blows my mind. I mean, I wonder if this one, how regular this channel's championship output is, whether it's because Ipswich are causing such a buzz, whether... I mean, they were in the Premier League. Both teams have been in the Premier League for a bit. Do they have fans? Do either of them have Brazilian players? Brazilian? There is. I think they think there's a Brazilian place for Norwich. Um, I, I mean, that sometimes that's all it takes. I mean, Charlie, of course, you know, there's a threshold for having foreign language Twitter accounts, fan accounts for certain clubs, and they get very obscure. So maybe it's just the same principle. It's that same level of novelty. Perhaps. Quite a boring answer, but it's like, in the same way that there are obscure cable channels and stuff over here which pick up the rights to maybe they pick up the rights to the Saudi League or they pick up the rights to the Eredivisie or whatever the existence of channels means that things need to be filled so it's just I imagine the overseas rights for Brazil for the championship is not going to break the bank so you know yep get that on we'll it's, it's that sort of thing. But also, you should underestimate the appeal of the English game abroad. No, that's true. That's true. Right. Now you've absorbed that clip of David Prutton talking over Forest versus Spurs. And you've absorbed that commentary from Brazil over Forest versus Spurs. Charlie, did you notice anything about the clips? No, I don't think so. They were the exact same moment of the game. Huh. Like, literally the same moment. That is weird. They both end with Ben Davis on the ball after the chat has finished. It, they mirror each other. What are the chances of that? I mean, a lot of people listening aren't going to give a shit, but I, having painfully <laughs> edited these clips this morning, am stunned. What are the chances? One in 180, I'd say. I can imagine the buzz you must have felt as you realised that. Right then, talking of Ipswich versus Norwich, Gary Weaver was on duty for Sky Sports. This is mid-level Weaver, I would say. And it dropped to roll! It's a sharp finish! It's turning into a day to remember for Jonathan Rowe in the East Anglian derby. Norwich City have banged on Ipswich Town's door now. And they've said, we are here. <laughs> this is one of his secondary fascinations, isn't it, Charlie? It's, it's the banging on the door thing. 
this is this is like a weirdly mundane literal example of where someone's banging on and says, yeah, all right. There's nothing threatening about it. There's nothing invading. It's just, we're here. You don't have to let us in. You can, <laughs> you can if you want. But that's something, he, he likes that, doesn't he? That idea of just reminding, like, you thought we were gone. Well, we ain't going anywhere. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that, that was the goal that made it 2-1 to Norwich, which then fought back for a 2-2 draw. I don't know whether I am pleased or disappointed that he didn't modify it to barn door and lean into the sort of agricultural vibe of the of the East Anglian derby. <laughs> well, don't worry, because I can assure you that at the final whistle, he did utter the word Suffolk soil. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, which I think has an added poignancy, Charlie, in that part of the world. That's good soil, right? You'd hope so. High quality soil. I mean, it's so fun. Yeah, just I love when he these sort of breaches of places that you know don't feel like the most threatening or kind of fortressy when i think of suffolk i think of like really nice weddings i've been to i don't think of it as kind of you know breaching this kind of impenetrable wall to get they just politely knock on the door and announce they're there that's all they do (laughs) yeah uh right here's bbc radio five lives henry moran detailing the late unraveling of brentford versus aston villa on sunday afternoon since then, it has been lively to say the least. David Coody, he's more like Bruce Forsyth. I play your cards right at the moment. There's cars everywhere. It's chaos. Uh, Brentford one, Aston Villa two. Rob Barker's got in touch, Dave, and says, for me, this joke only works if the ref's name is Forsyth. E.g., today's referee was David Forsyth, but he was more like Bruce Forsyth with all the cards he showed today. Secondly, surely there's a more up-to-date person with cards reference than a show that ended 20 years ago. I don't know if there is. Yeah, I think this works. I think if the referee's called Forsyth, it's too on the nose. It's too obvious. The joke works because it's about the fact that he hosted a game show littered with cards. Like, that's the point. It, it, the fact that he was called Bruce Forsyth doesn't really matter. What other candidates are there, Charlie? No, yeah, I, I, I don't know many other candidates. I do, I do agree. I think it does work better. The, the general way this is, this no, joke works on radio. it's too much for tapping if no, it's his name, though, isn't it? The repetition's worth it. Uh, it, it's yeah, worth it for the joke. Never no mind question. David Forsyth. Never mind David Forsyth. He's more like Bruce Forsyth today. I mean, like that one, I remember when we talked about this conceit of joke and like example, it was like, never mind Virgil van Dyke. He's more like Dick van Dyke. Yeah. Imagining Keezy or someone saying that, which I think then was said on TalkSport a few weeks <laughs> after. times, yeah. <laughs> well. But, I, but yeah, I don't know about if there's another show. I think... Countdown and- with the numbers? But they're not, they're not explicitly cards are they i mean they are printed on paper could go down the magic route could be it's like dynamo making cards appear and disappear left right and center good <laughs> would be more contemporary yes uh, sorry rob parker we got nothing for you right henry moran safe for another week right um interesting love this time of year the puskas award contenders have been announced. Uh, I swear it used to be a longer list than this, but they've narrowed it down to three. But Dave, you've got serious reservations about Julio Enciso's goal for Brighton against Manchester City being on the final shortlist. What's your beef? Well, yeah, so when I saw that this was on the shortlist, I, I remembered the goal. I was aware that it was a great finish, long range into the top corner. But then I watched the official clip that FIFA tweeted out. And it was like a minute and a half of fast-forwarded, sped-up football. And... You know, it was because Brighton had passed it around and made however many passes. Every member of the team's touched the ball, had gone back to the keeper, come back out again, done all that. I just think that shouldn't be Pushkas. I don't, I don't want to see sped up football on the Pushkas award. I think it's if you have to speed it up, you have, if you have to do something artificial to the clip to make it seem better, it's not deserving. This is close to Keezy, I think. This yeah. is close <laughs> to Keezy territory, Charlie. Well, how do you feel? Well, that's surely that's just like time constraints of the clip, but they want to take into account. If the clip's boring, don't make it Christmas worthy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's boring though. I mean, <laughs> you know, so, 
some people would say this this R adds to it the uh, all the build up. The fact it's against Man City as well, the great Manchester City. Yeah, and let's not forget the go- you know the goal itself. The strike itself is incredibly good, but I, I sort of sympathise with Dave here. If you have to speed up the video to make it more watchable, how could it possibly be the best goal scored in the whole of football in a single year? Uh, not, not that it's not without its merits, but um, I think it was quite funny that you picked up on that. The decline of the Pushkas Award. Where's the League of Ireland goal? Disgusting. Did that Sunday League goal make it in? Nope. Don't think it's allowed. No, is that right? As we established. I think it's got to be sort of, you know, a certain level of professional football. Disappointing. Just a couple of other random ones, really. Not even going to bother talking about those. <laughs> right. Lovely little transfer announcement tweet this weekend. Charlie, it came from uh, Scottish outfit Inverurie Loco Works FC. It went as follows. New goalie, goalkeeper Blessing Oliemi has joined Inverurie Loco Works on a loan deal from Peterhead until the end of the season. The tall glovesmith will be 19 in February. <laughs> And Joey beat Ed in the summer upon leaving Aberdeen. The tall glovesmith. What? I've got so many issues with this. <laughs> glovesmith. He's making the gloves, is he? <laughs> He's good, actually. He makes his own gloves. Yeah. Gets the hide of the cow. Yeah. <laughs> that could be a sort of eccentric character on Dream Team or something. The, the keeper they brought in, he even makes his own club. Goalkeepers are different. That's the thing, isn't it, with goalkeepers? They are eccentric. Well, it's more like a curiosity from like Victorian early era football. Somebody somewhere will find out that there actually was a goalkeeper that made his own gloves and used them 70 years before gloves became popular. I love the clarification, Charlie, that he was tall. Not giving him the height. Don't tell her how, how tall he actually is. He's just tall. He's tall. It's fine. He's tall enough. That's all and it is. And the problem with that is as well, when you talk about a tall goalkeeper, I mean, you talking about tall relative to other goalkeepers or just tall relative to other people? Because that, that's often... Tall for a glovesmith. Tall for a glove maker. If you're tall for a glovesmith, yeah. <laughs> gloves maker's famously tall. Yeah. <laughs> just, I've never heard glovesmith before. It doesn't. It just doesn't work, Dave, does it? It doesn't work. There are so many terrible alternatives for goalkeeper. Glovesmith cannot be added to it. It just doesn't work. Unless he makes the gloves. And even if he does, it's not relevant. I prefer it to Glovesman. <laughs> I do. I do prefer it. I like it. Fucking hell. Are there any except... I mean, in football, are there any... You, you talk about a wordsmith. Obviously, that's not a football-specific thing, but you might describe a particularly eloquent manager as a, as a wordsmith. Are there any other smiths that are accepted? A tactic smith. <laughs> <laughs> are there any football smiths? Goldsmith would be... Goldsmith would be goalsmith. so good. But would that be creators or scorers? Ooh, yeah, I like... <laughs> Madison could be a goldsmith. He could be a goldsmith, yeah. Kane's a goldsmith because he's doing both. I like the idea of... A, yeah, a Madison or someone because goalsmith there is a kind of artfulness great. to him as well. Goldsmith is class. Goldsmith is a great word. They're missing a genuine goldsmith. Are we podsmiths? I guess so. There are probably some people who would describe themselves as podsmiths. Right, not us. I'll update my LinkedIn at the end of the episode. Freelance podsmith. (laughs) (laughs) Podsmith for hire. Cobbling together pods. (laughs) Left, right and centre. Right, Keezy will love this one. This is... uh, this is Mikel Arteta being hauled in front of the FA Disciplinary Committee. So they published the full 37-page written reasons after his uh, comments about the referee after the Newcastle defeat. And um, listener Mark Cox has found this particular snippet where the FA have cited a, a, a precedent to in order to kind of support a little bit of technical language. In the FA versus Mourinho... 18th November 2018, the appeal board concluded that when a regulatory commission is assessing how the reasonable bystander might perceive the words or conduct under scrutiny. So they then have to go and define, Charlie, what a reasonable bystander would mean. This is great. It would treat the reasonable bystander as being a typical follower of English Premier League football, if there is such a thing. (laughs) Wow, what an amazing thing to have to outline first before you then sort of set a threshold for how offensive or 
or sort of against the rules something is. Would you consider yourself to be a reasonable bystander? Or you're well over that bar, surely. No. I like the idea, though, of them actually having, some, like, finding someone. Yeah. Right, we trawled the country, and this is sort of the the average level for a reasonable bystander. It's fascinating. Uh, benchmark going on here. They continue, Dave, uh, later in this. There's another clause in this paragraph. It says, in the FA versus Lampard, 30th May 2022, the regulatory commission concluded that the reasonable bystander should also be assumed to have some general knowledge of the sport of football. Still, still including a lot of people here, which I think I guess is the point of the point of the definition, really, making sure yeah. that everyone could well be offended by this behaviour. I think us in particular, anyone who listens to this podcast, is probably an atypical follower of English. Premier League football. We are we are we are not the people they're talking about. Hoping to see some reasonable bystanders at the live shows in February and March, um, and unreasonable ones as well. Hey, right! It's time for classic segment: footballers' names in things. Three for you this time of varying quality. This one came from this one comes from two girls, one schlup, and his brother Max. Here is critically acclaimed Amsterdam-based Turkish psychedelic folk outfit Altin Gun, singing about a former Blackburn defender who went on to win the treble with Manchester United in 1999, although he didn't play in the final. <laughs> Who was expecting Henningberg? Come on. Yeah, I, yes. I was. I was. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, where's Henningberg coming? <laughs> Brilliantly written preamble by me, I would say. David May. Who's picking up on David May there? Nice. It's there, nice. yeah. Yeah, it's good. I quite like that. I might, I might check out a bit of Altin Gun. That is actually a very famous Turkish folk song, Lay Lim Lay. Uh, it's like about love and loss, apparently. So, lovely stuff, though. They're quite good, actually. I might listen to them. Anyway, uh, next one comes from Ed Quoth the Raven and quite a few others, actually. This is from That 70s Show and this is a line delivered by the dad from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. If there's no stooge, then how come our friend Roy told us he got kicked out of the academy for being the stooge? Roy Keane. He didn't get kicked out for being a stooge. He got kicked out for shooting the police horse. <laughs> Would Roy Keane do that in his pomp? Seems a bit, seems a bit cowardly for Roy Keane. Mm. Yeah, but um, I am assured, Charlie, that the name is correct. It's not Roy King or anything like that. It's Roy Keane, spelt slightly differently, but uh, but it's just still jumps out at you, doesn't it? Yeah. The famous animal lover as well, Roy Keane. Yeah, wouldn't shoot a horse, police or otherwise. Final, very tenuous one. This came from Ben the Gooner, Charlie. He says, just a note that while booking our honeymoon at the weekend, our agent's name was Ben Watson. I couldn't help tell my wife about it like she would really care. Not having that. <laughs> I appreciate that they did fire at least one synapse in his brain and just think, yep, yep, Ben Watson. Yeah, no, I like that. That's very that's very relatable. And the, the part of your brain, it's like, you, you know this is going to get no response, but you still feel compelled to do it. To say, like, oh, yeah, that's quite funny because it's Ben Watson. You're like, just, just don't. You could keep that to yourself, but you can't. I don't know what sort of agent this was, whether it's sort of luxury or not, which I think it would need to be if this was the case. But, like, it's part of you that just might think... Has he, reti- has he retired and started out his own business? Has he? He might have done. It depends what this Ben Watson looked like. I mean, he was, fa- you know, he's famously redheaded. That, so that might 
nip that in right. the bud quite quickly. Right. Um, that isn't the only popular hit segment we've got for you. It's time for For My Sins Corner. I'm going to play you a clip from popular culture. and You've got to tell me when the immortal words are going to be uttered right at the very moment. So, ready with your voices to shout it out. Charlie versus Dave. This came from King Wolf 84 This is from History Hits Gone Medieval podcast, talking about some Christmas traditions from the Middle Ages. Okay, that's a harmless tradition. I guess I've come up with another slightly more harmful one, which is uh, the football, mat. The football. I mean, today, Christmas and football is fairly synonymous. You know, I'm a Wolves fan for my many sins, and we are playing on Christmas Eve this year. Dave does well with the easy ones, doesn't he? Fair play. Yeah. He loves the tap-ins. Well done to you, Dave. I mean, you know, it was a straightforward one. And I picked that one specifically because I wanted to talk about the lovely variant that he used for my many sins. Specifying the number of his sins. Well, you know, going some way to specify the number of his sins. Hadn't heard that one before. <laughs> it's a nice variation on this. I like the fact that we've traditionally, it's Radio 2, Ken Bruce, and now Vernon Kay have been the main suppliers. But dipping into a medieval history podcast is uh, it's nice, yeah. Very medievally music there. Well done, them. That was, yeah, that very was really stuck medieval music, yeah. yeah. Also, it's good because that was the to keep us honest because I almost thought it's too early. Yeah. So it's good to have some that are that early because, uh, you know, you agree. otherwise you preempt it too much. That's, that's level two in For My Sins Corner, that one. <laughs> yeah. No issue. Right, um, let's round out the first half of the adjudication panel with this from Keith Horan. He says, I'm listening to the Adolf Hitler Rise and Downfall podcast. And uh, he's just got to the episode where they talk about the Battle of Kursk. Paul McGann lending his natural gravitas to the narration. It's not until July the 5th that the Great Offensive begins. Marshal Zukov knows exactly what to do. Sit tight and soak up the pressure. As one might put it, park the bus. That seems like a very frivolous phrase to throw into the Battle of Kursk. <laughs> Charlie, are you having this? That's, uh, well, I'm hats off to kind of how far that phrase has gone. I mean, it was time for it to give back, wasn't it? football it's taken so much from military maneuvers mm. i mean rearguard action park the tanks they're right there i know it's mad isn't it given some very sort of ominous music or ominous background noise there you've got mcgann's inherently sort of earnest tones and then he just says park the bus which is i think really odd really odd indeed but there you go okay well after that parking of the bus that's the end of the first half of the adjudication panel we'll be back very shortly Welcome back to Football Clichés. This is the adjudication panel and hot off the press. Our promoter has informed us that the London show, the Football Clichés live tour, is nearly sold out. That's Union Chapel, no less. A cauldron, Charlie. I, it looks quite cauldron-y. Has cauldron potential, Union Chapel. It's a, it's a great venue. I can't believe it's nearly sold out. If there are tickets still available once this podcast goes out, get in there because it's going to be great. And that's going to round off the tour as well, Dave. It's going to be a huge night. If we do sell out, I wonder if... Like at a wedding, you know, sometimes if it's too full and they like open up another little room, you can sort of hear, but you can't see. <laughs> Standing room only, perhaps. Be like Leeds. <laughs> Be like the Leeds show all over again. Right, let's crack on with the adjudication panel. Loads more to get through. Matthew Francis first. Charlie says, I heard a commentator, admittedly for a rugby match, refer to a side as lying top of their league. Surely you sit at the top of a league and lie in some of the positions in between. 
In fact, he says you can't even lie bottom of a leak. I never even considered that before. You can't lie top, yeah, though. No. You can't lie top. No, like, lie, they're lying in third or maybe even lower because is it a sort of... So what does it mean? It's not really going anywhere. So what's it implying? I think that a little bit like they're not, there's no massive movement. They're kind of just there. Like it, it speaks to me of a slight underachievement or... Really? A lack of dynamism. Well, more I think about this, Dave, I'm, I accept that you can't lie top and I'm 90% convinced you can't lie bottom. I feel like it's, so it's fairly, essentially quite a neutral term, isn't it? I don't think it implies anything. Well, I think, I think you could lie bottom. I don't, it sort of makes more sense. Because, as you said, it sort of implies the fact that you're static and you're just lying there at the bottom. Out of the 20 Premier League positions, what's the lyingest position? I think mid-table, though, really. Sort of, they yeah, lie, lie 13th. They lie in 12th place. Yeah, Chelsea were lying 12th, weren't they? Because it's not, it's, maybe it's not quite languishing, Charlie. Languishing is bad, mm. but lying is just a more kind of neutral version of languishing. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I think when you'd hear it, it's like, and they lie in position X after the weekend's results. So they're just there. That's it. They're just, that's where they the, are. This defeat left Pochettino's Chelsea lying in 12th. This could be it. It's kind of after the dust has settled, this is where they are. Okay. That's I like what I mean. It. Yeah, I, I think you could do, you could, you might hear it at the end of a Super Sunday where they then sort of talk about the other results mm. and they're kind of just wrapping it up and mm. saying, so they're giving it a fairly cursory few minutes. Oh, so, sorry, a few seconds just on, and elsewhere. You know, West Ham's defeat of Wolves left them lying in 13th. I think it's good. I think it works very well in that very specific context. Okay, good that it has a use. This might be quite a simple one for us, Charlie. Joshua Ball gets in touch, says, Match of the day two. Said Mikel Arteta got to his 150th game as Arsenal manager last week when he was suspended for the Villa game. Surely you can't get it on a day you're suspended. Doesn't work for managers, does it? Still in charge. It still counts. Yeah, you're not you're not sacked temporarily. If you're at the game, that still counts. I mean, do they take this into account when they're doing like, official manager games i don't think when you when you look at your uh, manager's uh, career statistics on wikipedia that includes games that they were suspended for 100% absolutely it, it does, does yeah. but should it and I, I don't mean from my own moral perspective i'm just saying look <laughs> if the <laughs> fa is suspending managers from games surely like it's no no big thing for them to say well you you know you're banned from the touchdown now oh and by the way it doesn't count towards your total that is either something they would do it's a bit of admin extra punishment but without really having an effect so you're not going to get to your thousandth as quick as you think i can see, i can see that pettiness but it would be ludicrous the idea because you're still unless you were banned from doing absolutely anything to do with the team well, you're banned from for that game or in the, the lead stuff. up that's what I'm saying you're banned from the dressing room you're banned from the touchline you're not really allowed to. it's not your appearance wasn't it just a touchline ban wasn't he allowed I think he wasn't allowed in the dressing uh, room I think okay. it was just a touchline there are different one. levels yeah there are stadium bans or whatever but on the flip side there might be managers out there I'm sure there definitely would be managers out there who are petty enough to go well actually that affects my win percent I, 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 <laughs> we lost that game but I wasn't yeah. in charge for that one that's true Jose Mourinho 100% <laughs> that, oh, it makes so much sense okay so I'm, I'm saying that stadium bans should definitely not count definitely not count you think it shouldn't count so there, there was that one he yeah. was banned for was it stoke away or something when he was chelsea manager and uh yeah so that wouldn't count his record and yeah i i can imagine that to dave's point of it being said to him like you know your, your team lost last week he's like not my team yeah <laughs> my team did not lose absolutely right <laughs> they, they did right. lose joe's ain't <laughs> right here's a little story for you this came from yaron his sister alice 
has just come from uh, back from a trip to New Zealand, <laughs> where, long story short, he says, she sought to obtain a refund for an unused car cover purchased for a camping trip. She bought the car cover as a kind of preemptive move, and uh, she was trying to get a £70 refund for it, and it proved to be time-consuming. She uh, visited multiple branches of Repco in Queenstown, uh, where she pleaded her case to a store manager. After much fuss, the store manager issued her a refund. When retelling this story, she said to me, so in the end, I won. To which I responded, well, technically you didn't win. You broke even when you got the refund and lost a whole morning of your time. My sister, not a football fan, responded by saying, OK, I guess you're right. It wasn't quite a win, but more of a draw. It was a draw that felt like a win. <laughs> I was delighted by my sister's accidental use of this niche footballing cliche, which got me thinking, is being issued a hard-fought refund the most a draw that felt like a win experience in modern life? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been able to beat this in my deliberations, Charlie. It's just the right amount of futility, but also victory at the same time. I mean, it's not futile. You've got your money back, so that's good. I mean, I had one... I don't know where this would sit, where my Tesco order was really, really late and it meant I had to stay up quite late. And I was really annoyed about it because I was like, I really just want to go to bed. And I had to then get on the phone with Tesco and had quite a lot of back and forth. Uh, I didn't get a refund for the whole thing, which is what I was suggesting I should have got. But they did give me a £25 voucher. But was that worth the time I spent on the phone? I don't know. I think it's a win, but it's a... Cost. A like I picked up an injury because I'm knackered the next day. That's a win to me. That's a, that's twenty five yeah, pounds. Of... Yeah, it's, I'm twenty five pounds up from where I would have been, but yeah. at a cost. Consolation goal, I think. No, no. And if anything, it, it's a it's a it's a it's an equaliser in a game where you deserved a point, not a late spectacular dramatic one, not a smash and grab. Just deserved the point and you got one. So uh, yeah, well done. Well done to you. Um, Thanks very much. With a train refund where you have to pay money to get it. Maybe that's a consolation goal. Because it doesn't feel like a win. You have to pay £10 to get a refund. Yeah, that, that is annoying. Right. Penultimate item of the adjudication panel comes from Zach, who works for a um, large strategy consultancy in the US, advising executives. As an avid football fan, he says, a bit of football speak has naturally worked its way into my vernacular in the workplace. Somehow, of all the ones I've used, the phrase part and parcel has stuck with my team. And now, rather alarmingly, senior executives at my client organisation, a Fortune 500 company, have begun to adopt it as well. But none of them are using it correctly. This is great. They're all using part and parcel wrong. I said, interesting. Can you give me some examples? He says, I was in a meeting with the executives this past week and the CFO said that one of his employees was part and parcel for a step-up role i.e. he was ready to move up in the organisation thankfully <laughs> I was on the Zoom so no one heard my laugh just going to interrupt you there actually sir uh, yeah that's yeah. not quite so what do you mean by that it's amazing the CFO went again Charlie he says he used it in a meeting today again incorrectly it was used completely unnecessarily in lieu of a part of i.e. they need to be part and parcel of the process I am awestruck so this guy this guy has basically contaminated a Fortune 500 <laughs> company with a single football cliche and it's worked its way all the way to the top. This is amazing. <laughs> Admittedly, they've only got it slightly wrong, but it is quite funny. I think the second one isn't that bad. Where is it, like you would want them to be a no, part and parcel close, of. But yeah, that's sort just, of... They don't get it, do they? That is... That's fantastic. I have to say, Dave, I didn't know that part and parcel wasn't part of the US English vernacular. But now I think about it. Sometimes when I think of an English phrase, I try and imagine an American person saying it in a TV drama. And if I can't, that's it. That's the benchmark. I've decided they don't use it. I think they'd more likely say part and package, wouldn't they? <laughs> trying to think of other football phrases we could, we could infiltrate US corporate culture with. Could be brilliant. Could be brilliant. There or thereabouts. They probably say that, don't they? Right. Final one. This came from uh, a tweet from Retro Football Network. Here's a clip from Match of the 80s on the BBC narrated by Danny Baker and featuring a very unlikely virtuoso. Andy Gray, now at Aston Villa, would be crushed if it weren't for his first love. 
Andy, everybody knows about your scoring goals, but I don't think many people knew that you played the piano so beautifully. Yeah, it's a little secret. I mean, Bob, uh, I've played it for quite a few years now. I've always enjoyed music and been musically inclined, if you like, and uh, I was lucky enough my parents sent me to a, a teacher and I learned quite, at quite an early age, but it's something I've always done pretty privately up till now. Two favourite things about this clip. Aside from the fact we had no idea that Andy Gray was this good at his piano, he's never even mentioned it in his books, I swear to God. He's never mentioned this in his autobiographies, plural. But Charlie, the first one was Bob Wilson, I assume, going yeah. with the, oh, you're very good at scoring goals, but we had no idea yeah. that you were X, Y, Z. I mean, that's just, that is textbook, isn't it? My favourite is music inclined, if you like, because <laughs> that's just such football speak. that doesn't re- It doesn't really mean anything, but it's just something footballers say they yeah. to kind of soften what they've said. Yeah, just had a knack for, you know, just... Fingers in the right places at the well, right this times. Is it. He continues in a kind of football-y way because he, he talks about how his parents send him for lessons, you know, and thankfully it's just kind of stuck, really. So, yeah, <laughs> thankfully it's gone in. <laughs> just talk me through that concerto there, Andy. <laughs> Great stuff. Anyway, speaking of Andy Gray fiddling with his keys, it's time for Keys and Gray Corner. Bumper edition this week. Hope you've still got time for it. Let's start with Richard Keyes on Vincent Company. Love the synchronisation here. I think he's using this as an interview for the Manchester City well, job. He may if well he be. can convince enough people that he plays football the, the right, right way, way. <laughs> then he's going to at some time. But it's not going to happen, Vincent. Because <laughs> you don't play football the right way. It's the wrong way. I just think it's, it's almost naive I didn't think I'd use that word with company, but because he's been in this league often enough, for long enough, he should know the league. But it's almost naive to think you can come up and do exactly what you did in the championship with inferior players to the ones that you're going to come up and meet I, against I, every I'm week. I'm more frustrated than you. I'll give you a different word. Stupid. <laughs> it really is. Right in the top 1% of married couple chats that they've had, Charlie. They flirt so close with this every week, the finishing of each other's sentences. Andy Gray very much guilty of this a lot, but that was that was inch perfect. Telepathic. It was. You're like any great football partnership. Just love the drum they keep beating about this, though. Playing football the right way. The right way. I was thinking, do you think anyone's ever been happier at someone doing well than Keezy is about Sean Dyche doing well at Everton now? It just, it on so many levels, it must satisfy him. And the, and that coupled with company doing not so well at Burnley. Like Dyche at Everton is just so much vindication and score settled for Keezy in his head. Well, it's at least three levels, isn't it? It's, it's his mate doing well. Yeah, he's got some affection for Everton Football Club as an institution, regardless of what they might have been up to. So he, he, you know, he rightfully calls them a grand old club of English football. So he's got a lot of sentiment for them. And then the other one is obviously the football aspect of it. A certain brand of football still staying relevant. Interesting. And the fact they've had foreign managers who haven't been that good. Yeah. So there's like that element as well. There's just so much to it. Yeah, definitely. The Dyche era Everton will end with Richard Keyes, Dave, saying the words, "Be careful what you wish for." Is all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. As some Portuguese random is uh, linked with the job. <laughs> right, next up, Richard Keyes on Ollie Watkins versus the Brentford fans. It, it certainly heightened tension. And what, more than to... Ben Mee's tackle? Yeah, I'm not thinking like that. Yeah, I mean, he's literally... I well, mean, that's it's the winning leg goal, just enjoy it and say... Oh, he did. <laughs> we can't have players inciting violence in that manner. Oh, come oh, on. Oh, come on. Oh. 
Come and on. Satan violence. Come on. If he'd, have ran over, if he'd have ran behind the goal yeah, and, and got in there his like face that, with finger in his mouth, going, shh. Well, or, or like that. Given all that. It hardly had a Cantona, was it? I mean, come on. No, Cantona's not a very good example. That was a, a, a one. Well, diving into the crowd. We don't want to see that again. No, we don't. That, that, but was, he he, that was nothing like uh, I, think, I mean, the fellas paid his money to go and watch the football match. Well, sure, what, what, and and he was a footballer. He was a footballer. Well, it's part and parcel from the terraces of what happens. Oh, there no, is, a player <laughs> He should have more responsibility than respond in the manner that he did. Arkeezy, come on. Come on. I love it when you're country. I love it when you're like too. Come on, Keezy. Where's that? Nothing wrong. Where's that? Oh, I love it when you get angry. Grab that stick off him that he's poking us with, <laughs> would you please? <laughs> Andy Gray, Dave, absolutely loving this. I mean, you've got a bit of physical comedy from Andy Gray pointing at his head and doing the gestures, but he's he loves egging Keezy on. And then the best bit, and this is a fairly long clip, but the bit right at the very start, you have to listen very, very carefully. He says, oh, come on, Dickie. Come on, Dickie. I feel like Andy... As we've hinted at, has been sort of out of sorts in recent times, but this seems to, this is a, a nice return to form for him. Really, I think. he seems to be in a good moment. <laughs> him getting to run through different goal celebrations is just brilliant. Yeah, brilliant broadcasting. Him like we, we know how you can celebrate a goal, and there's Andy Gray to, to describe. Can I say as well that just a little subtle dynamic thing? McAteer feels really in, like having Yorkie alongside yeah. him. Really changes the dynamic. He seems a lot. He seems emboldened by that. So he's got a mate there. Got a mate there. Yeah. The, it really makes the difference. divide's been it's been leveled up. Yeah, I mean, there is something slightly ludicrous about Dwight York being on there because they they basically signpost very clearly in each weekend of football that he's on that he's a Manchester United ambassador and basically cannot slag off Eric Ten Hag. He can't slag off the club. He will sort of appraise football in a kind of objective way, but he basically can't slag off Manchester United. And so they just keep doing it. They keep making him try and he won't do it. It's so funny. But anyway, um, next one. It's an old favourite. For Andy Gray. I think, yeah, Andy Gray, as Dave says, Charlie, to employ a football metric, I feel like the field tilt is dipping back in Andy Gray's favour here. Like, the, the game is more even with him. He's getting more of a foot in the door in this dynamic now, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. OK, on that note, here's Andy Gray on Andre Onana. To lose. I'm sorry, I, I, I don't get it. I'm, I'm sorry, this <clears> is supposed <throat> to be some genius coach that uh, knows everything. I'm I'm sorry. I, I sit here, OK, he probably knows more than any of us sat at this table because he's doing what he's doing. He's, he's coaching Manchester United. But I'm sorry, to continually give it to your goalkeeper... If I was Johnny Evans or Rafa... Is that playing out the back? No. If, if I was Johnny Evans or Rafa Varane, I'd be going to him, listen, Gaffer, <clears throat> why, why am I, an international centre-back, giving the ball to a goalkeeper to play a pass? Why? Are you telling me that he's better than me? Because if you are, I might want to see you later. Talk about Andy Gray there, Charlie, evoking what a, a practice that I I have no idea whether it goes on anymore in modern football. But the idea of players going to the manager's office to you know when things get to a tipping point, saying, "Hey, look, Gaffer, Gaffer, we got to do things differently here." Knocking on the manager's door. Who's he speaking to in that in that imagined conversation? Is he speaking to Ten Hag and then saying, "Right, I'm going to see you later." This is Johnny Evans going to Eric Ten Hag's office and saying, "Look, Gaffer." But Andy Gray is 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 saying that if you're Johnny Evans and you're an international centre half and you're telling me, so you're presumably being the Eric Ten Hag, you're telling me that the goalkeeper's better than me. Right, I'm going to see you later. <laughs> <laughs> you're already talking to him. Let's just do it all there now in one go. I'm busy for now, but I'll be back in a minute. Andy Gray's imaginary conversations are a little rusty. Let's put it that way. Um, not like they were in his pomp. Right, finally. Here's Richard Keyes on Manchester United's tactics. What are hearing? I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. What about well done United? For what? 
for being the first team to stop Liverpool winning at Anfield. Manchester United. Yes. Yes. Well done. Crystal Palace could have done that. First team to stop them scoring oh. this season. Well, that's, that's a triumph then for Manchester well, United. No, it is. They, they will feel as though that that's the sort of form will take them on to win the league. Listen. Throw a couple of paper hats in there, a couple of Christmas crackers, and that is the Christmas lunch scene at many, many households in about 10 days' time. <laughs> Perfection. Mm. An oddly bountiful weekend of being there, Charlie. I don't know what's going on. What's in the water in Doha? Manchester United-Liverpool is quite right for all this isn't it because it's two grand old institutions mm. a lot of scope for kind of this is how far they've fallen type stuff which I mean they could let's be honest if they'd won 2-0 with a really good counter performance it still would have been a bit like they've gone there and parked the bus yes they've scored a couple of goals on the counter but this is Manchester United so it was a bit of an open goal Keezy banging the Xabi Alonso to Old Trafford drum again Dave uh, I'm starting to become won over by it <laughs> I don't, well, it, it's a very forward-thinking appointment. <laughs> it can easily happen. Say what you will about Keezy. He's many things, but he's not stupid. He can see where he can see which way the wind is blowing. Interesting endorsement from you there. Well, well done, fellow Podsmiths, and uh, and reasonable bystanders. Well done, Charlie Eccleshire. Thank you. Thanks to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. Thanks for everyone for listening. Get your live show tickets while they're still going, and we'll be back on Thursday. See ya. <laughs> Podcast Network.